last Sunday as I was talking to my wife after church, it became something like a Seinfeld episode. I don't know if you've ever watched Seinfeld, but it, that's what it felt like. Um, so at least, you know, last Sunday I started a new series called One Thing. We're talking about Mark chapter 10 and the rich young ruler uh, and the one thing that you lack. And, and that's what we talked about last Sunday. And the series is called One Thing. So after church, Lisa said, are you going to be looking at that one passage, the whole series? I said, no, no, next week will be a different message. She said, so it'll be a different one thing? I said, right, there's going to be a different scripture every week. She said, so we're going to have like four or five one things? I said, exactly. She said, Keith, you can't have four or five one things. It's supposed to be one thing. You didn't name the series right. Now you know what goes on in my home. And so listening to my wife, I've renamed the series. Here it is. Another one thing. So we're going to look at another one thing today. In the Gospel of Luke, would you take God's Word open to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Luke tells us a story that shows us how important one thing can be. As you're finding that, let me give you a little bit of the context of Luke chapter 10. Warren Wiersbe, the Bible scholar, says that there are really three different scenes in Luke chapter 10 that really illustrate the threefold ministry of every Christian. I really like the outline that he gives for that chapter, so let me just kind of give you that outline to give you the context of the chapter. He says, first of all, we are the Lord's ambassadors sent to represent Him to the, to the world. And so you see in verses 1 through 24 that Jesus sent out 72 on a preaching mission to take the gospel and the word of God to the world. Wearsby says we're also neighbors looking for opportunities to show mercy in the name of Christ. That we're to minister to people. And so you see also in Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37 the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then Wearsby said, but at the heart of who we are is our devotion to Christ. And so we come to verses 38 through 42, the story of Mary and Martha that illustrates our need to spend time with Jesus and learn from Him. So with, I hope you have your Bibles open or turned on by now. Whether you're at home or watching in the Life Center, uh, let's read together Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and following. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, let me ask you a question. Those that watching in the Life Center, those online, those here, uh, you, you can just think about it for a moment. Let me ask you this question. What would you do if Jesus literally came to your house for lunch? Would it freak you out a little bit? I think it would. I think you'd be doing everything you could to make sure your home was spotless, especially if you knew in advance he was coming. Talk about getting worried. 
If you knew in advance, literally, Jesus was coming to knock on your door and come into your home, I'm telling you, you would, you would clean that house like it's never been cleaned. You'd put flowers on the table. You would go to the grocery store and buy the best steak you could buy. You would get those little diffusers and have frankincense oil going up in the air. I mean, you'd just be doing everything you could to, to make him feel welcome. Imagine how Mary and Martha must have scurried about their home as they were trying to get things ready for Jesus. Because, I believe if you look at the whole context, they knew he was coming and they knew something else. They knew that he was the Son of God. The long-awaited Messiah. He was not a common visitor coming to their home. They knew that the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, was coming into their home. You say, well, how do you know that they knew he was the Messiah? Look at this screen, uh, the, this verse on the screen, John eleven twenty-seven. 27. Uh, Martha is speaking in this text, and, he, and she says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So they understood who he was. This was Martha speaking in John eleven twenty seven. They understood who, who he was. And before they realized it one day, there he was. Coming through their doorway. Coming to embrace them and, and to come into their home. Now, it must have been at that point that Mary just dropped everything she was doing. She perhaps set aside the stack of dishes on the counter. She took a seat at Jesus' feet and probably as close as she could get to him. Household chores could wait. Dinner could wait. Her eyes and her ears were tuned to Jesus. Now, of course, Mary, I mean, Martha was just the opposite. Jesus was their guest, and the one thing that was important to Martha was that he felt welcomed. And so she kept up the work at fever pitch. The busyness was, she continued. She did all that she could do. And I can see her in my own mind. She's a busy lady who's multitasking, trying to get everything done, washing the pot, stirring the gravy, baking the bread, keeping the oven hot. And I've met folks like Martha. I've been in their home. Martha's in the world are great hosts, and they make you feel welcome and wanted. And I have benefited from their service and their hospitality. But Martha became agitated, the Bible says, by her idle younger sister, Mary. How could Mary possibly sit there and let Martha do all the work? In fact, Luke describes it this way in verse 40. Look at the text. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And that word distracted, it means literally pulled in different directions. Martha was pulled in different directions by all the things that needed to be done. I bet you've been there too, haven't you? I sure have. Yanked from one thing to the next thing to the next, trying to keep all the plates spinning, trying to keep everything going, trying to get everything done. I really like the Living Bible translation of Luke chapter 10, verse 40. It says, but Mar listen to this, this is so good. It says, but Martha was the jittery type. And was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. Martha was the jittery type. And was worried about this big dinner she was preparing. More than likely, she understood who Jesus was. She wanted to give him her best. And maybe she wanted to make a good impression. Martha was the jittery type. Very, very busy. I mean, a guest as important as Jesus would indeed deserve a good dinner. And there was Mary. There was Mary. Just sitting there, listening to him. If 
Finally, totally frustrated, Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching, which blows my mind. She literally walks into the room and interrupts him as he's talking. And look what she says. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Not only was she agitated, not only did she interrupt Jesus, she actually appears to be angry with him too. Because she said, Lord, don't you care? And then, watch this, 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 is, this is amazing. Then she told the Lord Jesus what to do. I would submit to you that when you try to tell Jesus what to do, it's not going to come out very well. But that's exactly what she did. Lord, don't you care? Now listen, listen to me. Tell her to come in here and help me. Jesus well, well let, me, let me tell you something Tony Evans said. I'm about to get ahead of myself. Thinking about how Martha is agitated and frustrated and angry. This is what Tony Evans said. Listen to this quote. He said, if you're doing something for God and you develop a bad attitude from doing it, you aren't doing it for Him anymore. Wow, I thought that was so good. I wanted to make sure you heard that. In other words, if you're serving God and it makes you difficult to live with, then something is wrong with your service. If you're serving God and you get angry in the process of serving, then there's something wrong with you. You're not doing it right. Or you're not doing it for the right reason. Now look at what Jesus said to his friend Martha in verse 41. Martha, Martha the Lord answered. And any time the Lord used a name twice, it will, and he did that a few times in Scripture. Anytime he used a name twice, it was always to say, I really need, you, I really need your attention right here. I want to make sure you hear this. Martha, Martha, it's kind of like when you, would, when you were, had little kids and you would say to your, you'd call them by their full name. Thomas Key Shorter, you get in this house. That's never good news when you hear your full name from your mom or dad. It's never good news. That's kind of what's happening here. Martha, Martha, let me tell you something. Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Notice that phrase, only one thing is needed. You might want to underline that in your Bible. The Living Bible says, only one thing is, is worth being concerned about. Or I actually like this translation. Uh, this is just Keith's translation. It, essentially what he was saying was this, only one thing is really important. Martha, you're worried and frustrated over many things, but let me tell you something, there's only one thing that's really important. Now, here's the key phrase. I want you to see it in the text, and we'll put it on the screen. He says, Mary has chosen what is better. Verse 42. Mary has chosen what is better. If you've been to, ladies, if you've been to a woman's conference, you've probably heard this, this passage taught many, many times. But, but I want you to listen to it with fresh ears, and I want all of us to focus on that one phrase. Mary has chosen. What is better. Based on this text and this story, I want to give you two things to help you understand how this applies to our lives. Here's the first one. Number one, you can be distracted from Jesus by your work for Jesus. You can be distracted from Jesus by your work 
for Jesus. Let, let, let me set this up for you. Let's go back to the illustration that Jesus comes to your home. Now, let me change it a little bit. Let's, let's say that Jesus came to your home yesterday. He showed up, and because of the age of social media, I guarantee you, you would have taken a picture, right? You would have taken selfies, and you would have posted it on Instagram, and Facebook, and Twitter, and TikTok, and everything else. You would have flooded social media. Look who dropped by today. Humbled to have Jesus in my home. I would have done it too, by the way. We all would. We, we would just have flooded. And so what would happen, that was yesterday. What would happen would be, when you came to church today, we would all be gathering around you, right? We'd want to know, what was that like? What did he say? What did he teach? And we'd be so excited to talk to you. I mean, you'd have a lot of people around you. What did he say? What did he teach? And you would say, I don't know. I was in the kitchen making biscuits. What? Jesus was in your home and you didn't sit down and talk to him and listen to him? No. No, I was in the kitchen making biscuits. That's exactly what was happening in this story with Mary and Martha. While Jesus was in the home, they had the opportunity to have time with him and to listen to him. And Mary understood that, but Martha was busy in the kitchen making biscuits or whatever she was making. You see, we need to understand something. Martha's intentions were good. I have no doubt about that. Martha's dedication was admirable. I have no doubt about that. Martha's actions were probably great. She probably fixed a wonderful meal. But she, watch this, watch this. She was busy doing things for Jesus, and she neglected the chance to be with Jesus. Sometimes in our walk with God, we can do that. We can get so busy with all the right spiritual activities that we forget the importance of simply being with Jesus. Can I, can I just give you personal testimony? It happened to me just this morning. I wasn't, wasn't planning on doing this, but it just happened, and so I just want to confess it to you. As I was pulling out of the driveway this morning, coming to church, early this morning, I was backing up out of the driveway, and I thought to myself, there's nobody with me, I'm just thinking and talking to myself, and I said to myself, I'm going to wait and do my quiet time later today. I've got a lot to do. And for about 1.5 seconds, I thought, that's a good idea. I'm busy today. And when I said that to myself, then I remembered what I was preaching. Do you see how easy it is to get busy doing things for Jesus and forget to spend time with Jesus? So just so you know, I, I came in and that's the first thing I did is go to my Bible and I spent time with the Lord. But it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. Martha was totally occupied in trying to serve Jesus and maybe trying to impress him. We don't know for sure. But Martha was totally occupied with trying to serve Jesus and Mary was building a relationship with him. Not doing anything except listening to him. Doing things for Jesus is not the same as spending time with Jesus. Don't get anything else today. I hope you get that and take it home with you. Doing things for Jesus is not the same as spending time with Jesus. Like Martha, we can all be distracted by things that need to be done. I bet your to-do list is a lot like mine. Every time I mark something off, there's two more things I've got to add to it. 
There's always something that needs to be done. There's always something vying, crying for my attention. There's always something that demands my immediate response. But listen to me. Here's something I'm learning. I haven't learned it, learned it all yet, but here's something I'm learning. There is nothing on my list that's more important than spending time with the Lord. I can have some important stuff on my list. I can have some pretty big items, action items of things I need to do today, things I need to get done this week. I, I can ha- and I put it on my board sometimes, targets for the week. But there is nothing more important on my list than spending time with the Lord. Marcus, Martha was focused on the many things that were urgent. Mary was focused on the one thing that was important. Spending time with the Lord. Here's the sad reality. American Christians, by and large, don't do that very well. <clears throat> Let me tell you why I say that. Lifeway did a, a research recently, and according to the research, on any given day, listen to this, this, this will break your heart, but it might also put splash water on your face. Lifeway said, on any given day, evangelical Christians in the United States are twice as likely to open Facebook as they are their Bible. Twice as likely to open Facebook as they are their Bible. We get distracted by many things and we miss the one thing we need most. You know, David in the Bible is called a man after God's own heart. Did you know that David's not called that, he's not given that title because he lived a perfect life? He's called a man after God's own heart because he was always pursuing the presence of God. Psalm 27, verse 4, look at this on the screen. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to see Him in His temple. One thing I want to accomplish, David said. One thing I want to make sure I do. One thing I want to make sure gets done and checked off. One thing I want to make sure I focus on. In the many things that I've got to do every day, there is one thing I want to make sure I do, and that is I want to spend time in the Lord's presence. To know God, develop a relationship with Him. And notice this phrase that David uses in this verse when he says, all the days of my life. There's never a day that you don't need God. David said, I want to do this all the days of my life. There's never a day that you don't need God. All the days of my life mean that every day, the one thing I need more than anything is to make sure I spend time in His presence. Can I get a witness? Don't you need to spend time in His presence? Don't you need to learn from the Lord? It's so easy. You can be a faithful Christian and yet be distracted by what you're trying to do for the Lord rather than spending time with the Lord. Here's the second thing, and I really just want you to focus on the second lesson from the story. Number two is this, choose the right thing. I love the wording in verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better. That really is the key phrase in the whole text, in the whole story. Mary has chosen what is better. Now what did Mary choose? To put it simply, she chose time with Jesus above everything else. And I know that seems to be obvious. I know it seems to be obvious that she chose time with Jesus above everything else. But Martha made a choice too. And just the very wording, Mary chose what is better, implies, Martha, you made a choice too. You chose to be busy. You chose to go work in the kitchen. 
And Martha, your choice has led to your frustration. Your choice has led to your distraction. You're pulled in many directions because of the choice you made, Martha. But Mary, Mary has chosen what is better. And quite frankly, I hope you and I will too. It's the one thing that could save your health. Mary has chosen what is better. It's the one thing that could save your marriage. It's the one thing that could perhaps save your ministry. It's the one thing that might just help you get through this dark time you're going through. It's the one thing that may impact your future. Starting today or starting in the morning, be like Mary and choose what's better. And I'm going to spend time with the Lord and in His presence more than anything else. So when you're tempted tomorrow morning to open your day by opening Facebook, make a choice for what's better. When you're tempted tomorrow to go to the gym rather than go to get in the Word with the Lord, choose what is better. When you're tempted tomorrow to read the newspaper or watch the news and see how the world is coming to an end, choose what is better. Choose to spend time with the Lord. You can always go do those other things, but make sure you do the one thing you need most. And to help you do that, I, I want to close by just mentioning some ways that you can connect with God in a meaningful way. I'm just trying to be as practical as I can, as helpful as I can. So I want to help you connect with God in a meaningful way. I'm going to give you seven things. I'm not going to expound on them. I'm just going to list these seven things. Like, like if you say, Pastor Keith, could you help me with my quiet time? How, how can I, my quiet time be more meaningful? Because I'm going through the motions when I do get to it. I'm just kind of going through the motions. And there are a lot of days I don't get to it because I'm so busy. And so let me help you real quickly how to connect with God in a more meaningful way. I'm going to give you seven things. Here's the first one. Number one, read your Bible for the purpose of meeting with God. I didn't say just read your Bible. A lot of you are doing that. But it's a habit and you're not even absorbing what you're reading. Read your Bible for the purpose of meeting with God. Go before the Lord as you're reading your Bible and say, God, speak to me today. And as you read the Bible... Read for understanding. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to read this word and meet with you. And ask three questions as you're reading. Number one, what does it say? In other words, take that passage of scripture and paraphrase it. Put it in your own words. Number two, what does it mean? How does this relate to me? I know what it means for that generation, but what does it mean for me and my generation? What does it mean? Number three, what am I going to do? In other words, what are the practical things I'll change today? How will I live this out in my life today? So read your Bible for the purpose of meeting with God. Number two, this is a, kind of a long one, but it's all one thing. Number two is this, pray privately, regularly, and genuinely. Pray privately. Get alone by yourself. Make sure that you can get a place where you're just by yourself. Pray privately. Pray regularly. Do it every day. Every day go spend time with the Lord in prayer. And pray genuinely. Don't try to impress Him with your many words. Don't try to impress Him with your anything. But just genuinely talk to God. And genuinely pour out your heart to Him. So pray regular, privately, regularly, and genuinely. Number three. Praise Him for who He is and thank Him for what He's done. Praise Him for who He is and thank Him for what He's done. And let me tell you how I do that in my personal quiet time. Lots of times I do it as I'm reading the Word. As I'm reading the Bible, I'm looking for something to praise God for. 
And, and there's all kinds of instances where God is described or God does something in the text and, and I can stop and I can praise him for who he is. You are the God who is eternal. You are the God who is gracious. And just praise him for who he is. But also thank him for what he's done. Every day make sure you thank him for what he's done. Think about something he's done in your life, something he's done in your family, something he's done in your church, something he's done as he spoke to you through the word. Just praise him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. Number four. Repent of any sin he brings to your mind. In other words, come clean before God. If in the process of meeting with God, he points out a sin in your life, that is for the purpose of you repenting, turning away from it, and turning back to him. Just come clean before God. Confess your sin to God as he shows it to you. Number, that's number four, repent of any sin he shows you. Number five, ask him for whatever you need. Matthew chapter 6 is a perfect example where he encourages us to ask because he is our Heavenly Father. He said, don't worry about what you need. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. So it's, it's fine in the process of meeting with God to talk about the needs in your life. Number six, this is the hardest one for me. Number six, take time to listen. It may be 30 seconds or it may be three minutes, but take some time and say, God, I've read your word. I've tried to see how it applies to my life. And in the process of doing all of this, I want to meet with you. Now, God, is there anything you want to say to me? And just be quiet. And I'm, I'm telling you again, that's the hardest part for me. Just to be quiet before the Lord and try to listen. And again, it may only be 30 seconds, but you're developing this habit of God is, if there's something you want me to do, if there's something you want me to know, if there's something you want to encourage me with, if there's a scripture you want me to find, if there's a person you want me to call, God, I just want to listen for just a minute in case you have something to say. Because it's not a one-way conversation. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. And then number seven, the last one is this. Yield your life to his plan. Yield your life to his plan. Mary has chosen what is better. Yield your life to his plan. Here's what I've been praying lately. Maybe you want to join me in praying this. You know, Jesus said, this is the way you ought to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's, in my prayer time, here's the way I use that, that verse. I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Or sometimes I pray it this way, your kingdom come, your will be done at Mount Airy as it is in heaven. I'd love you to make that your prayer for our church. God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done at Mount Airy as it is in heaven. So the process of, you, you're ending the conversation by yielding your life to his plan. So tomorrow, this week, you're going to get busy, and I'm going to get busy. And in the busyness of life, do not be deceived by thinking that what you do for the Lord is more important than the intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy with the Lord, time with the Lord, is more important than what you're doing for Him. So in the busyness of life, choose what is better. The busyness of life. Stop. Sit down and listen to him. Serving the Lord is not the same as spending time with him. Let's pray about that.
you know the Lord as your Savior? Do you, do you know what we're talking about when, when we talk about spending time with Him? We're talking about a relationship. And the Bible says that we can all have that relationship with God. In fact, the Bible says that it's a relationship God wants everyone to have. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will have everlasting life. Bob, the Bible is very clear. He wants you to have that relationship. But it's a relationship a lot of people miss because they've never trusted Christ as Savior. They've never turned their, their life over to, to the Lord. They've never said, I, I, I turn from my sin and I'm turning by faith to Jesus. Christ died on the cross for your sin. He died in your place so that you could have a relationship with Him. Not just so you could go to heaven. Yes, that's the benefit. But He wants to have a relationship with you. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord God, I know that you love me. I see now that Jesus died on the cross in my place. God, I want a relationship with you. I don't want to just have a religion. So God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. I ask you to be my Savior. I promise to live my life for you as you live your life in me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you've prayed that prayer with me today, I'd love to hear from you. Just let me know. Just come by and let me know. Give me a call. Email me, text me. I'd love to hear from you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this week, as we have the opportunity to be busy, remind us of the one thing that's more important than all things. It's to spend time with you. Help us to do that in a way that's meaningful and in a way that is life-changing. We pray that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.